If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 15. And we're going to read, we're going to read verses 1 through 6 and then we'll skip down. Lord, speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had a controversy, came to the king, that had a controversy, came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is a, of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed, deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, O oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, that he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this matter did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Skip down to verse 13. And there came a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Verse 24. And lo, Zadok, also, and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up unto all the people, until all the people had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here I am. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. We're going to stop right there. I don't know if you're familiar with this story or not. Absalom was one of King David's sons. This would have been a little bit later in King David's life and in his reign. And his sons were grown. And Absalom stole the hearts of the people. He wanted the kingdom for himself. And he very cleverly went about it before people that would, would come into town would go to see the king for some matter, for the king to judge, he would kind of cut him off at the pass and say, oh, my father doesn't really care about you. My father doesn't really have somebody appointed to this business of judging different controversies in Israel. But uh, you're, you're, you, know, you have a good cause and a right cause. And oh, if I were in power, if I was king, how I would do you justice. And he would take him and kiss him and hug him. And they're like, wow. And he said, this guy really cares for me. All he really cared about was getting the kingdom for himself. And it says, thus he stole the hearts of the people. And so David, when he hears this, somebody says, the, the, the hearts of the people, this was over a period of time, he did this. And somebody, a messenger says, King David, the hearts of the people are after Absalom now. And as soon as he heard that, he said, we, we need to get out. He told his servants that were right around him, he says nothing's going to stop him. He, he, he's, this is the kind of person he is. His mind's made up. We need to flee for our own lives and get out. And so the priests are with him. 
and he's got his faithful people with him, which was still a good group of people. <clears throat> and they're carrying and bearing the Ark of the Covenant before them, the sign of the presence of God. And they're carrying the Ark, and, he's, and, and they carry the Ark, and they're holding it to all the people that passed clean out of the city. And they set it down, and David said, look, now, you priests, take that Ark back to Jerusalem, to the place where it belongs. And he says, if, in verse 25, the king said unto Zadok, carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. So he's basically just putting himself in God's hands. That's what we see. He's, he's not fighting for anything. At this point in time, he just says, take the ark back. That's where it belongs God, if he, if he desires, basically I'm paraphrasing what David said, if God desires to bring me back to my kingdom, to be that position of king and shepherd of his people, and to see the ark and be that, that man that he ordained and called me to be, if God sees fit to do that, he's going to do that. But I'm in God's hands. I read a quote, and I really think it's a wonderful quote. I don't even know the man the believer that wrote this or phrased this, but he says this, as true sons of God, we have nothing of our own to defend or promote. Ours is, to, is the task of carrying his burden. Now I want to read that again. As true sons of God, as believers, we would say, we have nothing of our own to defend or promote. Ours is the task of carrying his burden. And so we see David at this moment in his life just basically resigning to the Lord. He's not fighting for it. He's not saying, okay, uh, priest, you know, let, let's gather up all. Go find out who's faithful to me still. We've still got enough weapons and swords and chariots and horses. We're going to make a good show of it, and we're going to fight. There ended up being a battle, but it was in God's time and in God's way. Absalom was killed. God did bring David back to the throne, and it was heartbreaking for David that his son tried to take the throne and that his son was killed but God brought him back God took care of it but I just thought about that as believers we have nothing of our own and I think that's the key part that nothing of our own do we earnestly contend for the faith or the things we fight for in Christ absolutely you fight on your knees for the salvation of your loved ones we fight all kinds for all kinds of things that we're told to in God's word, but there's nothing of our own that we have to defend. Like that's mine. Get get your hands off, kind of thing, or to promote. We don't have to promote ourselves. And I thought that about David. David's life. David was a warrior. That's one of the reasons, or the reason, God did not allow him to be the man who actually built, built the temple for the Lord. It was his son Solomon that built the temple. God put it on David's heart. But he says, you're a man of war, you're a man of bloodshed. And Solomon was a man of peace. And Solomon was the one that ended up building the temple. But David was a warrior. He was a man of war. He had fought many battles. He had won many victories. Uh, he had fought uh, Goliath, right? As a, as a young boy, maybe a teenager, fought this giant. He, he was not a coward, is what I'm saying. He knew what it meant to fight. But at this moment, he's simply saying, I'm just putting it in God's hands. Take the ark back. We're going to go on and leave. We're not going to fight Absalom. And if God sees fit to bring me back, he'll bring, bring me back. And I think one of the keys 
points of this is we need to know which time that is. Is it time for me to put myself and to resign to what is my circumstances and, and almost you could say to the hand of your enemy or is it time for me to fight? And I keep coming back to this. We have nothing of our own to defend. When David fought Goliath, he was not fighting him for his own protection or something like that. It was no personal benefit to him. David said, is there not a cause? Remember, he is defy. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine, Philistine that he should defy the, the children of Israel and the God of Israel and the armies of Israel? Is there not a cause? And so there was a godly I say noble, but a lot of things could be noble. You're fighting for your country and so forth. But in this particular case, there was a godly cause. And he recognized it, and he knew it, and he fought. Right? He fought. But here we see in 2 Samuel 15 that we read, he's like, I'm putting myself in God's hands. If God wants to bring me back, he'll bring me back. I'm not mustering up an army right now to fight. And so I, I believe what God would have us to hear, and I'm kind of giving you the the main theme of this sermon right at the beginning, we don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to protect ourselves. We don't have to try to protect, quote, what's ours. And I think there's so many people in life, they're trying to hang on. They're so afraid of losing something. They're so afraid of somebody taking something from them. We're, uh, you know, people feel like they have to fight to protect what's theirs, what's mine, to defend what's mine and we don't see David doing that we save, see David only defending what's his what's God's and that's where we need to be we need to hold on loosely to things in this life the things in this life will come and they will go hold on loosely to those things and hold on tightly to the Lord Jesus Christ and the things that he has given us and the things that he would say now fight for this. Fight for your children. Fight for your grandchildren. But hold on loosely to things and positions and prominence among men. We can trust the Lord. That's one thing that David had to realize. He knew God was real. We have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He knew that he could safely place that kingdom and his position as king into God's hands and say, God, we're going to go now. And if you see fit to orchestrate things and work it out to bring me back and set me on that throne again, then I will be right on that throne because you're able to do it. That's where God wants us to be. He wants us to come to a place where we trust him with our lives. And not only with our lives, but all that he has given to us, imparted to us, all that he has promised to us. Amen. And and we suffer the loss of all things. Paul said, for which cause I suffer the loss of all things. There's a wonderful scripture where, where uh, Paul says at the end of his life in 2 Timothy, he says, for, which, for, for the which cause I do suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. What is he persuaded of? That he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So think about the last part of that. For I know first whom I have believed. We must believe he, he is, and 
He's the keeper of our souls. He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I am persuaded at the end of his life, Paul was about to be beheaded. He lived his Christian life from that day on the Damascus Road where he was converted. Uh, he had lived that life solely and wholly for the Lord. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was in prison. He was, he was cursed at. He was stoned. He was, all these things happened to him. And he says, it's, I, I've suffered all these things for that cause. Nevertheless, I am persuaded. That means I am convinced. I am sure of that my God is able to keep what was God able to keep? I think it's important to see. He's able to keep all that I've committed to him against that day. And you know what that tells me? And I'm, I'm sitting under this sermon like you are. That tells me I need to commit everything to the Lord. I need to commit it to the Lord. He is able to keep all that I've committed unto him against that day. There might be things in our lives, and we're Christians and we love God, but there might be people and things in your life, your reputation, your position, your wealth. Your, there might be things in your life that you have not committed unto him. And those things he's not able to keep, they need to be committed to him. And we don't have to spend our lives trying to, with all of our might and effort and energy and maybe finances and thought, trying to protect what's, quote, ours what's ours. We need only to commit all things to Christ. What's worth it? What's worthy? We need to commit it all to Christ, into his hands, to his keeping. I want to read this from 1 Peter chapter 4. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. For that's just an example of committing our life that he's, he's faithful. We can commit the keeping of our souls to the Lord in well-doing, even if we're suffering for the Lord. God will keep you. God will keep you. One of the things that he is is a savior. He's a deliverer. He's a healer. He's a soon-to-come a king. He's the son of God. He is all these things. But one of the things he is, he's a keeper. He's able to keep that which we commit to him in this life. He's able to keep it. He's able to keep you, and he's able to keep your eternity, and he's able to keep your heart, and he's able to keep your soul, and he's able to keep your children, and he's able to keep your spouse, and he's able to keep your testimony for Christ, and he's able to keep your ministry. He was able to keep Dave's, David's kingdom. Saul tried to hang on to that kingdom before David was king. He tried to hang on to it with his claws and his teeth and everything else. And he forsook the Lord in the process and he lost the kingdom and he lost the Lord. David tried to hang on to the Lord and the Lord only. He wasn't a perfect man, but he did seek the Lord. He was a man after God's heart. He did understand and know the Lord. He did put the Lord first and foremost as his cherished possession, okay? He said, the Lord is my portion and my cup and my inheritance. And when he put the Lord first, God was able to keep the, keep the kingdom for him. We need to learn that as we go through life. It's a learning process. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus. We need to learn to commit things to God. Like I said, if it's worth it and worthwhile and of value in God's eyes, it needs to be committed 
to the trust to the trust of the Lord. He is able to keep all that we commit unto Him. Amen. You commit your children to the Lord. You put them in God's hands. Teach them how to seek God's first and put their well-being in God's hands. Let God take care of your children. Let God take care of your spouse. Fight for them in prayer, but commit them to the Lord. Put them in the Lord's hands. We commit it all to Jesus. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles. And that is our main text there in 2 Samuel. We'll refer to it, but I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17. John 17, verse 11. Now, this is part of the, that evening, that night leading up to the Gethsemane in the garden and then the rest of the Lord, and he would be crucified the next day. And it's a very intense time with his disciples, and Jesus is praying in the presence of his disciples to his Father. And he says in John, in John 17, 11, and now I am no more in the world. He's getting ready to be taken from them physically. But these are in the world, speaking of his followers. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that would be Judas Iscariot, that it, the scripture might be fulfilled. And again, I'm just looking at the keeping power of the Lord. God is able to keep us. He wants us to know that. And he's able to keep the things of God that are valuable, that he has bestowed upon us, imparted to us. The Lord, the righteous judge, the lover of our souls, is able to keep all that's truly given to him. It's a simple thought this morning, but we need to surrender and commit things. Not just, oh, Jesus, take it all. We need to consider. We need to say, I'm my child, Lord. I'm placing them in your hands. My, my spouse, my job, my reputation, my finances, my home. As an act of our will, he's not twisting our hand and trying to break it. It's so much better if we just give it to the Lord. Just commit it to the Lord and say we do it by faith because we know he's a good God. He's, he's, one I can, he's the only one I can trust, but I can trust him. I can trust him with my future. I can trust him with everything. And we just read about him able to keep these disciples. He's able to keep us. Amen. And even David said the Lord even keeps his tears and puts them in a bottle. I just wanted to read this. I thought it was telling of the Lord. Thou tellest my wanderings, David said in Psalm 56. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Even David's tears as he went through life. He had some tears. He had a lot of tears. You've got tears in your life. As believers, I know the joy of the Lord is our strength, but life is hard. Life has heartbreaking moments, and we come before the Lord, and we, he's able to fill us back up with his joy in the midst of sorrows. He's able to give us joy. But even our tears are kept in his bottle and in his book, David says here. But our God, if we will let him, if we will trust him and we will let him, he relieves his people. That's the way I think of it. He relieves us of the stress or the worry or the occupation 
of striving to defend ourselves and hang on to everything that's ours. Oh no, it's like it's like uh, I don't know somebody trying to hold on to like fifteen kittens or something, you know, and they, and one keeps hopping out and they're grabbing. That's kind of how we go through life sometimes. And the Lord just wants you just give them all to me, give every one of them to me. I'll keep them for you. If it's something He wants to take out of our life that we're trying to hang on to, He'll. He'll show us and convict us, and we need to give it to God, and we repent. If it's something sinful we've been trying to hang on to. But even things that are good that he's trying to, to not let become an idol to us or that we're so preoccupied with this blessing of God that we forget the blesser God that gave it to us or them to us. And he said, why don't you just commit them to me? Why don't you put them in my hands? Why don't you let me take care of that and you can be relieved of that and that stress of that now I'm talking of some, some lofty things that are beyond me to do they're not beyond God to help me to do amen and help you to do but he can absolutely do it we go through life defend, trying to defend what's ours and God wants to free us up from the worry of losing it he wants us to, to free us up from that commit it to him and that way it's no longer mine so to speak it's his and I'm a steward of it because that's actually what I am your finances you're a steward of that every earthly possession you have even your children and loved ones you're a steward that child that spouse that they're created in God's image he made them he loves them he sent his son to die for them he cares for them Commit them to the Lord. Amen? Commit them to the Lord and don't try to hang on to. One of the things I think we try so hard to defend, and I can speak and say amen to this, we, we, we try to hang on to reputations, even in Christ and, and, and in, in the church and among God's people. And God wants to free us from that. But, you know, our, our natural inclination not saying this is you necessarily, but natural as sons of Adam in that na human nature. We might say, well, well, if I don't defend what's mine, it'll be taken from me. If I don't promote myself, kind of put myself forward out there a little bit to be seen of people and appreciated by people, I will be overlooked. I will be underappreciated. I will be passed over and passed by. I'll be trampled on. I must fight for what's mine. Now, I think we forget that we are, we're his, that we're dead and our, our life is hid with Christ in God. That's what the Bible says if we're believers. We forget that, that if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift us up and, and cause us to be seen. We forget that he's able, like Paul said, to, to keep all that I've committed unto him against that day. Men hate to be, and I do too. We hate to be, in our natural sense, underappreciated, overlooked, under-esteemed, undervalued by others. So we need to fight for that, to put myself forward because I'm being overlooked. So we're fighting for our own recognition and reputation among men. It's natural to do that, but God's able to take it and say, look, just won't you leave that to me? Won't you just serve me and follow me and walk in my ways and I'll put you 
David was overlooked even by his own father, not, not in some sinful way, I don't believe, that, but we know when Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the next king of Israel, he called all the sons in, and he didn't even think to call David in, who was one of his sons. The priest is going to anoint one of these sons to be king, but one of the sons was left out in the field with the sheep, not even possibly thinking it could be him. And yet he didn't promote himself. You say, Daddy, uh, all, all my brothers are coming in. I want to meet the priest. I want to meet Samuel. I want to see what's going on. He didn't do any of that. And when, when they David's, uh, the Lord says to Samuel, there's an, this not one of these, not one of these boys that's been paraded before me. Do you have any other sons? <laughs> well, yeah, there's David out there. Go get him. We're not going to finish this day or have supper or whatever till this is, this is handled. And they go and get David, and guess what? He's anointed king. It's just a wonderful example of not having to, I'm talking about in the things of God, and it, when our life is given over to the Lord, that he has a way, his way, and it's a wonderful way of taking care of things like that if we'll trust him and allow him to do that. There's nothing uglier than, than seeing a Christian try to promote themselves. It's not pretty. It's not attractive. It's not godly. It's not that meek, quiet spirit of humility that the Lord, in the Lord's sight, is of great value and beauty. It's it's uh, it's not of the Lord. I want you to turn with me to to, to First Peter, chapter two. First Peter, chapter two. I know that you're familiar with this passage, but this is using Christ as our example. First Peter two twenty one. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Now, what's, the, what's our example? Tell us about Christ. Well, he, he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Well, he's already so much better than I am. Amen. Who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. That's a perfect example of saying, Father, I'm putting myself in your hands. Well, they're saying, they're blaspheming. They're saying things that aren't true about me. They're, they're doing this. They're doing that. And if anybody was holy and deserved to defend himself, it would have been Jesus. But we don't see him doing that. We see him as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so we open not his mouth. That doesn't mean he never spoke. He spoke only what his father he heard his father say it. And when it was, he was standing before Pilate in, the, in, the, in, in his mock trial and so forth, he didn't defend himself. Well, I healed that guy there, and I did this, and there's one hollering for my crucifixion, and I, he was deaf, and I opened his, He didn't do any of that. He, you know, he just he, he committed himself to him who judges righteously. And we're told that that is our example, that we should follow in his steps. Amen. Again, the natural man wants to defend himself. And the believer can commit to God's hands the key, keeping of their souls and the things that are of value. David was relieved from the personal business and stress of trying to defend his kingdom. God brought him back to that kingdom and he knew he would in his way and his time. God had appointed David to be his shepherd of his people, Israel. 
God had given him the strength miraculously to kill a lion and to kill a bear when he was a young shepherd and to kill a giant when he was a young man, the Philistine, who had defied the God of Israel. And the Lord had actually grown David and strengthened him and added to his numbers when he was those years fleeing from Saul. I don't know how much time exactly that was, that he fled from Saul. He was already anointed king. If anybody could have made plans to defend themselves and tried to, to defend themselves, it would have been David, right? David was anointed king, and yet he did not, even when he was fleeing from Saul, he had a two very clear opportunities in the Bible we see where, where Saul came into a cave where David happened to be hiding, where David and his men could have easily killed Saul. He did not either time. Why didn't even his men, his men even urged him to? Here's that chance. Your enemy's been delivered into your hands. You're the rightful king of Israel, not Saul. And he says, I know it. I know it, but I'm going to wait on the Lord. God's going to make me king. My hand is not going to touch the Lord's anointed. And isn't it better when God works it all out his way? Again, I'm not saying we don't fight. There are plenty of things that we fight for, but we have nothing of our own to defend or to promote. God is able to do that. David never planned. However long the time of period that was, he fled from Saul in hidden caves and in the wilderness and so forth. We never read of one sneak attack or one plan to go kill Saul. He did not. He, he committed himself to the Lord. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to a close. It's good. If it's good, if whatever that thing is, if it's good, if it's of God in your life, it's his purpose, his plan, his will, he will guard and keep it. God will guard and keep it. He is able to do that. Jude says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Who is? Unto him. Him. We look to him. Unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his throne of glory, the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, right? It's to him. He's able to keep us. God did bring David back to reign on that kingdom, reign over that kingdom. My responsibility and yours as a blood-bought child of God is simply to keep my eyes on the Lord, keep myself, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing different New Testament instructions. Keep yourself in the love of the Lord. Walk by faith. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in obedience to Christ by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Stay with Jesus. Jesus said, where I am, there will my servant be also. We need to be with the Lord. I'm not saying that we don't fight. Paul fought the beast of Ephesus, he said. We resist the devil. We fight the devil when he comes against our lives. We fought. We fight for lost loved ones in, in prayer and on our knees and, and trying to snatch the people out of the kingdom of darkness. Amen. We do that, and we are supposed to do that. But we have nothing of our own to defend. We can put it all in God's hands and trust the Lord. He relieves us. He relieves us. Don't you need to be relieved? To be relieved of the stress and the pressure and the fighting, the striving to hang on to something. Uh, there's probably not a person in this room that at some point, as a Christian, you have not had your character attacked or assassinated, basically, uh, by others in the church. It happens. I don't have to, 
I don't have to try to run around and try to put out every little fire. Well, they said this about me. Now, wait, who first told them? And, and, and where did that, and, and you, who told them, call on the phone all night? Who, who said this about me? And what did they say? And they said that in the pulpit. And, and, and well, that's not true. I never did that. And we run around and we're trying to defend ourselves. And it never stops. You know what you do? You just put it in God's hands. Put it in God's hands. Go to your knees in prayer. Forgive those who have sinned against you and move on. And trust somehow or another for God cause in the end the truth to be known. I'm going to commit myself to Christ. I'm going to stay with my eyes on the Lord. I don't have to put out and stamp out every little fire and defend my reputation. It's Christ's reputation I need to defend. I want to defend him. I want to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Amen. Life in Christ is not carefree, but it is wonderful because he bears our burdens. Where What we commit to him, what we lay upon him, he is able to bear. And he walks alongside of us. I know you know the passage where Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says you'll find rest for your souls. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Take my yoke. Here, let's switch them out. Jesus is saying, look, you, you, you're carrying all that sin. I'll take that. You're carrying a bunch of worry and fretting about tomorrow, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where, what you're housing and everything. You're, you're worried about everything. Let, let's switch those. I'll take them because I'm not worried about it. It's all going to happen like this. It's all going to happen just like he said it's going to happen. Why don't you give that to me? Come on and join me in my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I want you to find rest for your souls. And that's what we do find when we commit ourselves fully to the Lord. D, you can come. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to close with one, one scripture from Psalm 37. Before we read Psalm 37, I want to read the, the quote one more time. As true sons of God, we have nothing of our own to defend or promote. Ours is the task of carrying his burden. That's it. He frees us up from everything else. Paul said this one thing I do, right? He frees us up from everything else. He said, no, just do this. Just do this. Other, the other's too much for you. I never intended for you to take care of all that. Give me all that other stuff. And you just do what I've called you to do. Really does relieve the believer. Not that's God's intention to relieve us and give us rest for our souls. I'm going to read this. Y'all, the altar is open. I encourage you. We're going to bless our food. We're going to have a wonderful time of fellowship and hanging out. Thank the guys that are out there sweating and working. But y'all, let this sink in. And take some time before we do that with the Lord. Psalm 37, 5 and 6. We could read the whole psalm, but we're going to read two verses. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. What a God. 
What a Savior. That's either true or it's not true. Amen? I believe it's true. Okay, let God be true and every man a liar. And if that's true, that should greatly affect my life. It should greatly bless my life. And I should greatly do that. I should commit my way to the Lord. I should trust in Him. Amen? And surrender those things over to Him for the well-keeping of His hands. Amen? Father, we come before You. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you that Christ is our example, who did no guile, neither was sin in his mouth. When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he was threatened, he threatened not, but committed himself unto him that judges righteously. Father, we commit ourselves, we commit our reputations, our testimony for Christ. We commit our children, we commit our spouses, we commit our jobs, our education, our future, our bodies. We commit it all into your hands, God, to your safekeeping in Jesus name thank you Lord